Welcome to Simon Says Inspire, a podcast about life, leadership, and building legacies. I'm John Simon Sr. And I'm Dina Simon. And today we have Darren Lynch as our guest. Darren is a longtime friend of Dina's, Mandy's, and Rich's, and has been involved with Simon Says Give for many years. Darren, welcome to the podcast. Hi, John. Hi, Dina. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Well, we are so excited to have you because, as John said, you're a longtime friend, and I'm excited for my father-in-law just to get to know you better because he's seen you, you know, at events. They live down in Texas, but when he's been here for Mandy's graduation party and things like that, so he's he's seen you and certainly seen pictures and heard about you. But just for him to get to know the amazing person that you are, the leader you are, the dad that you are, and then our partnership over a decade with what you've done to support both Mandy and Simon Says Give and me with Simon Says Lead. And then you and Rich share a passion for the Steelers. Yep. For microbrews. Yep. And and Jeeps. And so so just lots to share and cover. So we're excited to have you. Well I am excited for the conversation. We've been friends for a long time now. We have a we have a long history, which there's a lot of gold to mine, hopefully. Yes. I'm also excited to hear a little about your St. Patrick's Day parties. And I understand, as Barney Stinson would say from How I Met Your Mother, they're legendary. (laughs) Yeah, we do know how to throw a party. Irish Titan, not Amish Titan. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's terrific. Yeah, Darren, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your business? Sure. So, again, my name is Darren Lynch. I started a company named Irish Titan. I founded it way back in 2004. So we've been around for a good chunk of time now. In short, so I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. We'll probably talk about him a little bit when we talk about culture and things like that. So he would argue for anybody who knows him, he would argue, start with why. It's the name of his most famous book, I think. But to familiarize ourselves with the audience, I'll describe what we do first. So Irish Titan is an e-commerce agency which means that we build and grow e-commerce channels. So we build e-commerce sites for our clients. We refer to our clients as merchants. And those e-commerce sites are the sites where people are buying product. There's an actual checkout to the process. And then we work with our merchants on an ongoing basis to grow those sites with the email marketing, digital marketing, you know, that takes the shape of email marketing, paid search, SEO, channel strategies, things like that. So we build and grow e-commerce channels. I started in 2004, as I mentioned, and I, I, I say that again, because that seems like forever ago, right? And even by that point, I had accumulated quite a bit of e-commerce experience. I launched Office Max's very first e-commerce site. I ran that project back in 1998. Then I launched Wilson's Leather another national retailer in 2001. Then I launched Second Swing Golf, another national retailer in 2003. And after that's when I started Irish Titan. So in a lot of my talks and a lot of my podcasts, I used to describe myself (laughs) as a dinosaur in the e-commerce space I've been doing for so long. And then I realized, well, dinosaurs went extinct. So I should probably come up with a different analogy. Now I, I say I'm a grizzled veteran. So that's what Irish Titan does. On the personal side, I am an Iowa farm boy, grew up on a farm in Northeast Iowa, moved here to Minneapolis in 1997. I have two daughters, 24 and 19, that I'm very proud of and have been very intentional in trying to 
be a good dad. It's up to them, I guess. Time will tell if if I was or not, but that's the personal side of things. So 24, we're going to have to have a big party. I'm sure you're planning that for your 20th year. That's that's a year away. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of sneaking up on me because I've been thinking about that. And next March will be 20 years. So it's not all that far away. I think we'll probably roll it into our St. Patrick's Day party. So I think we need to talk about your St. Patrick's Day party because as John said, he's heard they're legendary. So share with us what, how what, how that happens. What do you do for St. Patrick's Day for the community and your customers and friends? Yeah. So we actually do two parties. We do one that is our shenanigans for good party. And that's what you're referring to. And you and Rich have been to many and many of those. We've been doing those for, I think about 15 years now, if I remember right. That's a just a big get together that we throw at a local Irish pub that we spend a lot of time at. And we welcome everybody. It's not just for clients. It really started to take shape as a get together for the business community. And it's turned into quite an event. We raise funds for a charity. We draw a name out of my green leather top hat. And one time Simon says, give was, was drawn. And so we do that. We, I give a quick toast. There's no sales pitch or anything like that. It's just a, a good time of fun and food and friends. The other thing that we do on St. Patrick's Day is a St. Titans Day party internally with our Titans. And that's also become quite a deal where all the Titans who are new to the company from the previous year, they're the ones responsible for the theme and planning. So there's sort of an annual contest every year to see who can make sure the party is as good as at least the previous year. Both of those are longstanding institutions for us. And you probably don't do that on actual St. Patrick's Day because you take that day off as a team, don't you? Correct. I it, <laughs> Sometimes it is on St. Patrick's Day and I'll, I'll mention it here because I mentioned it to my Titans too. I prefer for it not to be on St. Patrick's Day because I kind of have my own thing that I do on St. Patrick's Day. Yes. And John, we actually, Darren was wrong. It's not just one time that we've been drawn. So we we got the shenanigans for good last year when Chris Ollendorf's name was, was pulled and he gave it to us. The year right when we were closing down at COVID... Oh, that's right. We got it that year too, because somebody in the audience gave it to us that we didn't even know at the time, but people had talked it up enough. And then I think also maybe earlier on, you might've just like had selected a couple of your favorite nonprofits and I think your team chose. So I think we've actually received benefits from it. I think at least three times. Oh, really? Wow. You have a better memory than I do. One of my sayings is that I'm an idea man. Don't bother me with details. Um, <laughs> you just demonstrated that. But yeah, that that fundraiser aspect is something that I've become really proud of over the years. You know, I think that we used to raise the funds more unofficially at the event. And then we started to put more structure and intention around that with the raffle tickets and a few, I jump on the microphone a few times to try to juice it a little bit. And then we started to match it a few years ago. And, you know, that those are things that we're proud of. Nice. So Darren, how many Irish Titans are there? John, you're a quick learner referring to the employees as Titans, because that is how I refer to our Titans. So I think there are 44 right now. We're headquartered in Minneapolis. We have 39 here. We have one in New York and four down in Texas. And so both of those geographies are intentional in the sense that they're industry driven. The e-commerce space 
is somewhat similar maybe to like the IT space, like IT network services where channel relationships are very crucial, beneficial, and intentional. So for example, if I'm an IT provider, maybe I have a strong relationship with Microsoft, for example, and we refer business. In the e-commerce space, once you reach a certain size and stature in the industry, you get a lot of referrals from what we refer to as the channel, which are the e-commerce tech partners like Shopify, Magento, Adobe, PayPal, BigCommerce, et cetera. A lot of those are in New York. So having an employee out there helps us invest in those relationships, but even more of them are in the Austin, Texas area, which is why we have planted a flag down there and are building an outpost down there. And that has helped double down on our growth. It's definitely contributed to some of the momentum over the last few years, because I think that those relationships have deepened and led to increased deal flow in both directions. And the other key that you talked about were your merchants. And are you able to share with us how many of those you have? Well, sure. So at least in some regards, I actually still do all of our invoicing every month. I mean, I don't start it from scratch. There's a spreadsheet that gets put together, then reviewed, then sent to me, and I create the invoices, which some people would argue isn't a good use of my time at this point. But I'm really removed from projects now. So that is my chance to have some visibility and some fingerprints on things. And so I know how many clients we invoice every month and we invoice, it's increasing in general because we're growing, although that doesn't always mean we're doing more projects because some of the means some of the projects are becoming bigger, but we generally are invoicing between 50 and 60 clients every month. And so we have a good chunk of, of merchants as we refer to them. And another point in case you were going to ask this, John, is they're very national in scope. So when Dina and I first met, we were hyper-local. I was bootstrapping this company and building it from scratch. And I did it through sort of the old school way in 2004. And in, the, in, the, in those times, you kind of had to press the flesh and always hustle, be humble and stay hungry. And so we were hyper-local. Then we started to become a little bit more regional. But I would say in 16 or 17, we were 90% local and regional, maybe 95% and 5% national. And that's absolutely flipped now where we're 80% national and 20% local. We still try to really own the local e-commerce market, but we have clients all around the country now. Well, that's great. Is there an opportunity to go international? Yes. And that's actually part of our growth plans. I have pretty aggressive growth plans. I'm not one to be satisfied with where we are because I think I'm capable of growing a company larger than where we are and running a company larger than where we are. And I think the management team that I've built is also capable of that. And that's part of what has attracted them and excited them. So we have some significant growth plans and international presence is part of that. So I want you to tell us, Darren, about culture and stuff, but I just also want to just go back. So it was 2011 when we met you. Mandy had just, she was eight years old and knew that she wanted, that we we were set on moving forward with Simon Says Give, our nonprofit. And Jeff Brown on our board, he was actually not even on our board yet because we hadn't even started our board when we first met you. And then he joined our board later. But he found you and said, hey, there's this awesome opportunity and you met with Mandy at eight years old and your team. And at that time, I mean, I think, Darren, maybe you had seven employees back then when you were sharing the office with Paul. And John, your sister, Chris Paris, actually was up in town at one point. And Aunt Chris went to a meeting with Mandy over at Irish Titan to look at the wireframes. Yeah. So, so John's sister was up from Iowa 
And we brought her with and just, she's been super excited and obviously a big supporter ever since. But so that's when you leaned in to support us. I know you've done a lot of other things for other, you know, nonprofits and things, but we just always go back to thanking you for that. And we just did a refresh of our website about two years ago, as we were moving into our decade of service, we needed to grow up a little bit and love our amazing website that you've done for Simon Says Give and then also my Simon Says Lead website. So I just wanted to back up and thank you there. Well, I was going to ask a little bit about his connection with the University of Iowa. And I understand he's a big fan of the university. And I always get a kick out of watching him on TV with the black and the gold because that was the Steelers colors. And I think at one point, the university changed colors because they wanted to be connected with a winner. Correct. John, you are speaking my language. So growing up in Iowa, I've been told that Iowa is the only state in the country that has no pro teams and has two and only two division one football programs. And so we have three division one basketball, actually four division one basketball programs, but you know, football really drives a lot of the sort of athletic halo effect around programs and states. And I've been told I've never verified a quick gut check says it's possibly true, at least that I was only state with two and only two D1 football programs and, and no pro team. So there's a lot of Iowa Hawkeye enthusiasm in the state. That's why it's called the Hawkeye state. And so I grew up an Iowa Hawkeye fan and a Steelers fan. So they definitely have a strong intersection because in my small little farm town, I grew up in a town of about 1,800 people when I was growing up. It's about 1,600 now. It's struggled a little bit, but it's stabilized. And it is an hour from Waterloo and an hour from Mason City in Northeast Iowa. So, the, and those are the big, big towns of like 50,000 people that we would go to. And the big towns that we would go to that are closer were towns like Waverly, Charles City, New Hampton of like six to 7,000 people. So sort of a remote town, but had a really great school. I was exposed to technology very early, which maybe we'll talk about, which we won't. I'm just painting the picture that it's not as Mayberry as people make it out to make it out to be. Right. But on the Friday of Super Bowl weekend, when the Steelers played the Cowboys the first time in the Super Bowl, which I think was 1977, the principal came around with football shaped sugar cookies that have blue frosting and gold threads or had black or blue frosting and white threads, excuse me, or had black frosting and gold threads. And I picked the black and gold for the Steelers because I was already an Iowa Hawkeye fan. So I've been a Steelers fan since that Friday, which I'll admit has been pretty easy because here we are seven Super Bowls later, pretty happy. You got that right. And I did end up going to the University of Iowa. Went to nearly every football game while I was there, nearly every basketball game while I was there. Have still been back for a few basketball games, but still go back for quite a few football games. So I'm a pretty, pretty passionate fan. Well, great. Well, I'm always glad to run into another Steeler fan. Yeah. So there's a Steelers bar in town that Rich and Dean and I have been to to watch Steelers games. It also happens to be an Irish bar. Funny coincidence, good Venn diagram there. So sometime when you're in town, John, we'll have to go and watch the Steelers game over at McGovern's. Yeah, and of course, the Steelers are owned by the Rooney family, which are a big Irish family back in the Pittsburgh area. Right, right. I have some green Steelers gear with shamrocks on it. I have a green Steelers hat, green Steelers t-shirt that has the shamrock on it. So those have been easy purchases for me. I can practically write them off. Nice. <laughs> 
So I want to ask some questions, especially since you're expanding. So Texas, Minnesota, New York, and who knows what might be next as far as like staff. So you've built a great culture. So again, I've seen you over the last decade plus from seven employees to 44. So talk to us about, you know, how you as a leader have built a really strong culture and how you will continue to with people in different locations. Yeah, I think that building the culture was a mix of intentional and accident. Culture is a big time buzzword today, right? And I, I don't know, you, you probably know more than I do. Three-ish, four-ish, five years ago is when culture as a term started to be used more frequently. I think prior to that, there were things in terms like vision and values and, and those sorts of concepts that were used more frequently. So I was really conscious of that. And I'll circle back to that point. So vision and values were intentional exercises I went through. But but even prior to that, leadership as a concept was something that I was taught very early. And I think that strong leaders naturally um, create strong cultures because cultures are are the, the muscle memory between meetings, the muscle memory between documents. Culture is vision and values and accountability. And culture, Seth Godin, the way he describes it is cultures, this is the way we do things around here. And I think leaders, naturally strong leaders, create those sorts of environments. And so I think I was mindful of that from the very beginning, because I didn't start at Irish Titan until I'd been through a lot of leadership training and management training, et cetera. The, the best boss I've ever had still, and I've had, I've had the luxury of a lot of great bosses, but the best boss I ever had was my first boss out of college. And I think that he's what I consider the best for a couple of reasons. One, incredibly strong leader and manager, but two, also I was exposed to him and worked so closely with him for years at a very timely point in my career, right? Like your first manager with your first job out of college really has an impact on you. And he taught me explicitly some of the distinctions between leadership and management. And I was a bright-eyed 22, 23-year-old at that time that was just a sponge who already had been exposed to a lot of leadership as an athlete and uh, student body president, all that kind of stuff in, a, in school. So a lot of leadership sorts of traits, I think, were ones I already cared about and tried to be conscious of, then was exposed to him. And so I think how to treat people, how to build teams, how to build teams of teams was something that I learned early. Then when I got my MBA at St. Thomas, which the completion of which led to me starting Irish Titan, that's when I started to build some frameworks around vision and values. And then the last point I'll make, Simon Sinek, already named checked him. He's one of my favorite, he's my favorite author, but another one of my favorites is a guy named Guy Kawasaki. Yeah, I love and, him. Yep, I love him. He swears a little bit. It's very <laughs> conversational, but insightful at the same time. Yeah. His book, The Art of the Start, is up here. You can't see it. But th that book was really, really impactful to me, too, because I read that toward the end of my MBA experience. And one of the things it talks about is don't worry too much about creating the soft parts of your business, like your values and stuff like that. Build uh, a business with customers who are paying you and are happy. Start on that. And the rest will fall into shape if you have strong leadership. So I was really mindful of that for the first seven years of Irish Titan. And it was around 2011 when we'd reached a certain point 
where I felt like I had the, I shouldn't say the luxury. I, we reached a certain point where I felt like it was then appropriate for me to, to lean in on now defining that. And in 2011 was when I happened to meet Simon Sinek and read a couple of industry docs that helped me come up with how we define our culture. So that's a little bit of the background. I love that. And Guy, I think also talks about like, everything doesn't have to be perfect. You got to get your stuff out there and you just got to keep getting stuff out there and it will continue to evolve. I had the opportunity to hear him early on in my career as well. So one of the parallels, and then John, I'll let you ask your next question. But one of the parallels was I was super fortunate enough in my early twenties to work for amazing leadership. And that would be John Simon and the leaders that were around the company. And so often it does go back to those early you know, opportunities And I hope our children, your two girls and and my daughter get the same opportunities because there's a whole lot of bad leaders out there and people that have just been promoted for whatever reason and, and not done what you just talked about. And that is leadership training, always learning, always watching, reading, and just trying to be the best leader that we can, because it's an important job to lead others and inspire them to do and be their best and for them to then one day be great leaders. Right. Leadership is a responsibility. It's not a prize. And I think that being trained on, again, the distinction between leadership and management, because those are two different skills. And leadership isn't necessarily reflected in an org chart, you know, And, and so they can go together, but they don't have to. But I think that you can learn a lot from a bad leader. Quite honestly, in my career, I really only had one. And that was toward the end of my arc before starting Irish Titan. And so by that point, I had already accumulated a lot of great lessons from really great leaders. I had really, really strong leaders because my my first boss, again, he suggested that as my career unfolds, I should, he he encouraged me to be more mindful of who you're going to be working with and for than what the name is on the shingle. And so when I started to pursue second job and third job and then fourth job, I think before starting Irish Titan, I was really intentional about that, about looking for good leaders who would challenge me more so than what the trendy business is that's hiring everybody in town. Well, you know, Darren, one of the things I always thought about was the key to a successful business is hiring quality people that buy into the culture of the organization. And how do you find people to join as Titans? Yeah, I think you're you're spot on, John. I think that as a leader, people are our occupation. And the bigger organization grows, the more your quote unquote upper management, I don't really like that phrase, but we know what we mean when we say that, the, the more and more their their job is to lead people, right? And so I think that that we've been successful in that, at least more often than not for a couple of reasons. One, we really do have our culture well-defined. So our culture is reflected in two lighthouses, as I refer to them. One is our golden circle from Simon Sinek. Our why is business first, online second. Our how is partnerships, not transactions. Our what is building and growing e-commerce channels. So that can really establish a lighthouse in regards to what kind of people we want to attract in terms of what kind of work we do, and the the philosophy behind it, the business first, online second. The other lighthouse is POTUS, and that's not a political term. It stands for passion, ownership, teamwork, impact, and skills. Those are our five values. So when we have that so well-defined and can speak to what that means, 
and use that in our everyday every work. day. Yep. So for ju- literally just today, and I'm not making this up. We had a meeting with some Titans to review some things that I want to elevate on right now. I want us to, to continue to become a little more sophisticated. And there were a couple of things where I noted we need more ownership out of POTUS. And I would write the O with the code around it that indicates it's the O out of, POT- out of POTUS. We use that when things are going well or not. We use POTUS in our golden circle. And so it's really embedded. Another thing that has really helped us attract talent and retain it is our Titan only model. And what that is referring to is the fact that we do all of our work with just our employees. We don't use any contractors, freelancers, or offshore resources. Those models are very prevalent in our industry. And I understand why. There's nothing inherently wrong with those. You reduce your fixed costs. You increase your variable costs, which from a financial perspective can be attractive. It in concept gives you more scalability. And you know, there, there are some benefits to it. I have taken an intentionally different approach from day zero of Irish Titan because I've been on the other side of the table before starting Irish Titan. And I felt like I could build something different and better. And so we have this Titan only model, which contributes to attracting people who are looking for a home and retaining them because they work kilt to kilt or shoulder to shoulder. I prefer kilt (laughs) to kilt every day, right? And so they build relationships and they build friendships and they build loyalty and they build a better product. So there are fewer problems that they're dealing with because there's more historical documentation and legacy about how we do things. And so I think those two things are cultural clarity and our Titan only model have really helped us attract and retain people. And that's great because we all know that turnover is the most expensive way to just spend money that you don't need to spend anymore. Right, right. Yeah. And that will help you continue to expand, right? So that you can be in other markets because your team is so clear as to what what they're doing and why they're doing it. And that foundation is extremely solid and will be very much celebrated when we get to year 20 next year. Awesome. So so entrepreneurship, I know you're still very involved in the University of St. Thomas and their entrepreneurial school and and you're a mentor on the Minnesota Cup and things of that nature. So obviously huge entrepreneurial spirit. What would be some advice that you would give to somebody, you know, young, trying to start out as an entrepreneur, just some of the kind of key points that would come to mind? Yeah, a couple of things. And yeah, I am still very supportive of that community. I think that I still have that spirit. I think entrepreneurs also become a buzzword, you know, that I still have that spirit and I want to support people who do. And when I was younger and Irish Titan was younger, people took a chance on spending some time with me and sharing advice or insights. And so I want to do the same. You know, there are, there are a couple of things. I think I already believe I mentioned one, the, the concept of being humble, stay hungry and always hustle, right? I think that 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 is a piece of advice that I heard somewhere that I think resonated. I think that I saw an entrepreneur just the other day and walked away. Very smart. He has a great idea. He's going to need to be humbled, right? And he, and he will be undoubtedly, right? I think another one is, I, I, I stole this from a song, a, a band called Small Town Titans. Just co- complete coincidence that Titans <laughs> is part of it. I love uh, it. But a band, Small Town Titans, they have a song called Doorbells or Dreams. 
And it's kind of a rocking song, so it's not as sappy as the title might suggest. But the the lyrics are around a rock star who, like in between shows or in between tours, goes and finds an old friend of his and they reconnect. Like they grew up together and the friend, you know, is married and has a job and kids and a dog. And the rock star guy doesn't have any of that. And he it's it's written from the, the point of view of the rock star. And there's a little bit of longing in the verses around, you know, maybe I should have that stuff. But then the chorus is around, hey, like, what do you what matters more to you? Having a doorbell or chasing your dreams? And you can't always have both. And so I think that came to mind. Then here's the other one that I would mention. And I heard this at a, from a speaker early in Irish Titans days that every business goes through three phases in their life cycle. At first, you're everything to everybody. Then you're something to everybody. Then you're something to somebody. So that first phase, you're everything to everybody because you need a check to keep those lights on. Second phase, you're something for everybody because you started to narrow down what it is you're good at, what it is you get energy from, what it is you think you can be more successful with, but you're still doing it for anybody that will come and knock on your door. And then last phase, something to somebody, you know, what you do and who you do it for. And I think that is a truism across entrepreneurship and building a business. You might move through phases at different paces than other businesses, but I think that's an absolute truth. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So Darren, I mentioned something in one of our other podcasts about the company that I work for. And our chairman had what he referred to as the three I's, integrity, intelligence, and intensity. And that was the foundation of the company that I work for. I like that. First of all, I believe in the power of threes, especially when you add alliteration to that, right? And I think that when you mentioned intensity, my ears perked up a little bit because that's, you hear integrity a lot, right? A lot of people talk about that. Intensity is, is a value that you don't hear as often. And I like that. So I think that that reflects a spirit and a sense of grit that appeals to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And rolling up your sleeves and doing what yeah, needs and, to happen. Yep. And when you right. get knocked down, you get back up again. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Resilience goes a long way. It does. Yeah. And Darren, one of, you know, was we continue to have the podcast. I mean, John has been retired how many years now, John? Yeah, 22. 22 years. He retired very young, but he still has many of his clients that he has stayed connected with all these years later because they, you know, they played really hard in business together and did great things and then have just created those long-term relationships, which is super fun. And and you have those and you'll continue to have those as well based on the relationships that you've built with your clients. Oh, sure. You know, I've attended weddings of clients for their children when they got when they got married and vacation with with some of them. So you make a lot of friendships from from the people in business that you that you did business with. I totally agree. And Dina's a great example of that. Like we are actual close friends. Right. And there are a few other clients or peers that I would put in that circle. Right. I think that when you work with someone, it sets the table to become friends in a different way when there are certain synergies with some of the underlying values. I think working together and then becoming friends is an interesting dynamic compared to being friends and then possibly working together. Agreed. You know? yeah. yeah. I think that yeah. that can be very 
can be dicey, especially if you suffer from things like Minnesota nice and some of, some of those sorts of things that neither of us suffer from, right? But that can be a little fraught with danger. Whereas if you work together first, you don't become friends if there's not already some synergy around how you engage, what your word means, those sorts of values. Yes. Yeah. John, Darren just mentioned a term that we could do a whole series of podcasts on and I'll explain it later, but Minnesota nice is, is actually a thing and it's not an actually nice thing. It's, it's a kind of a passive aggressive thing that, that is a real thing, but yes, yes, I agree with you. It's, and I do agree that those relationships that start from working together like that versus friends, then trying to work together, there's a total difference that happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I have plenty of friends I would never hire. <laughs> right. Right. Because oh, you yeah. also, you want to remain friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. I know we, we used to have a, a rule of thumb and it not only applied to the business I was in, but a, a lot of people that I've talked to over the years, the 80-20 rule, 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. And I, I never really believed that much until I started talking to some of my customers and they were in the same position we were in. Yeah. Right. Right. So as we kind of wrap up our podcast, so Simon says, inspire a podcast about life, leadership, and building legacies. And we'd love to have you back on for other conversations. Any other last thoughts on just the Irish Titan culture, leadership that you'd like to share today? Well, I think that one of the things that I found interesting when you launched the podcast and we started to talk about it is your focus on legacy. Because my personal why and my personal golden circle is to leave a legacy. That's my personal why. It's why I started Irish Titan. It's why I've tried to parent father my daughters as I have, et cetera. So I just thought that was some interesting synergy that probably also speaks to why we get along and have been friends for so long now. Absolutely. And you have built and are building an amazing legacy. But then again, I believe that our legacies are what we're doing every day and living out. And as you said, the just examples that we can be to to our children. And and I know your girls and I know that you've been able to do that already. So just more good stuff to come. Mandy reflects well on you. And hopefully Zoe and Fiona reflect well on me. They do. They do. Well, Darren, I look forward to, I'm going to be up in Minnesota at the end of August at the Great Minnesota Get Together or the State Fair, as a lot of other people call it, <laughs> but maybe we'll have a chance to meet and get together up there. Yeah, would love to, John. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Darren. We just appreciate it. And thank you for raising your hand early on when you knew that we were doing this to be a part of it. Yeah. Love supporting the cause. Anything I can do to help you, Dina, I will sign up for without hesitation. And vice versa. Thanks for all the friendship and partnership over the years. Yes. Thank you. And thank you, Darren. I would like to thank my friend Darren Lynch for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go check out irishtitan.com for more information about what his amazing Titans do as a client with both Simon Says Give and Simon Says Lead for over a decade. I can share that I've just loved the journey and love everything that they have done to support our two businesses. So go check them out. 
Darren, thank you for always leaning in to especially to support Mandy over the years with our nonprofit and look forward to many years of continued partnership and to celebrate 20 years next year. As always, I thank my father-in-law, John Simon, for partnering with me and co-hosting this podcast. And we look forward to having you join on another episode. So until next time, thank you. 